The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. As always, I am Darren Karp. Maybe I should steal your little intro. As always, I'm Liz Cully. You're not cheesy or losery enough to steal my intro, okay? You have to be a certain level of loser and lameness to have this cool factor, Liz. And unfortunately, you just don't have it. You are a blushing blonde right now. You didn't warn me when you came on the Zoom. I was like, what the fuck? I thought we were dating. went a little hard. She went a little hard in the paint on the blonde, but I don't even care at this point. I'm like, well. How dark is your natural hair? It's not. I'm like a dark blonde. Okay, that's what I thought. It's just very, it's very bleached. It's a new me. It's a new day. Did you enjoy watching the Super Bowl, my love? You know, the Super Bowl was boring. It was so boring. I didn't even pay attention <laughs> to the commercials. I barely paid attention to the commercials. Oh, I saw one commercial I really, really liked for Budweiser or Anheuser Bush. It was all about sharing a beer, like when this is all over with someone. And I don't even drink like beer, that. but I really loved the sentiment. You know what I mean? Where it totally. was all like, you give somebody a head nod, like, let's go and like share a beer. So I liked that. I do not think The weekend is famous enough to be... What? I just don't. It's The weekend. No. J-Lo, Shakira, The weekend, Beyonce, Katy Perry, The weekend. No, it does. I like The weekend a lot. I like him. I was actually watching because... Did you, did you and I talk about that controversy of how he like came out with that yes. post and changed his face? So I yeah. just wanted to see what his face looked like. It's bad. So he's definitely had work done. Okay, but I it's normal had- looking. It wasn't as yeah, like yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. as it was before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked that he like brought that into the performance with the masks. Obviously, people needed to be masked. Totally. I, I, it was fine. I just, for me, don't didn't think that he was famous enough to be the fucking Super Bowl performer. I wow. don't. Wow. I know. Listeners, let us know if you think Liz is absolutely fucking nuts and or you agree <laughs> with her because I always want to know if it's like me who's fucking crazy and, and I, did, I just don't I, he's just like the top 10 it. artists like would post malone be famous enough no like i would want somebody would kendrick lamar yes but i don't think well one he hasn't dropped any music in a really long time like i don't think that works and i don't think somebody like dua lipa works listen i'm not saying that it's an easy answer i was just surprised that it was the weekend Fair. like i almost want to see something more old school and kind of like shocking ish like a like a bruno mars type of person but he did bruno mars already i know he did like so they repeat they fucking repeat you know miley cyrus hosted the tiktok halftime show were you aware of this i was not aware of this i know look i'm gen z and speaking of gen z we have hayden cohen on the show haters today and so i'm being very gen z today you really are I know. So TikTok does a lot of live stream music events in the app. Great. And I know it's random. And so they had Miley Cyrus like doing her own. And I thought that was really interesting. Not to say that Miley Cyrus, well, she's pretty famous. I think she could be an interesting and fun Super Bowl act. I don't know. I know this sounds crazy. Maybe I'm talking myself out of it. Maybe the weekend was a perfect decision. I just wish he had brought someone like Ariana Grande out or like Daft Punk actually came out. You wanted a little collab. I wanted a little zhuzh. I think the most surprising thing for me was during the Super Bowl, finding out that Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers got engaged because it was just four fucking days ago that I found that they were dating and they're pulling that whole lesbian thing now where I'm like, why are we getting engaged after three dates? I wonder what's up. 
I feel like the two of them are very similar. She was with that rugby player. I think he was Fijian, but I'm don't quote me on that. But I know that he was a rugby player. And she said that she wasn't ready to get married yet. But she seems to like go in and go hard on relationships. We know Aaron Rodgers goes hard in the paint when he starts dating somebody. And he is like a serial monogamist and really intense. They all kind of have the same vibe. And so I think he's one of those dudes that really wants to be in love. And you're right. And she kind of, she's an interesting one to me. They're both like perfectly kind of boring. Like they're per- oh, like that yes. perfect, like celeb boring. I, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I don't mean that negatively. I just saying like, they're both kind of like, quote unquote, normal people for being as famous as they are. Like I very rarely hear about any negative news about Shailene Woodley. I'm not going to dig for it either, but she's not one of those people that's like splashed across Us Weekly and people every week. Like she seems like a a career actor kind of thing. But that was actually one of the more surprising things just because I was like, wait, what? Like, what did I miss? Like I felt very out of it. That's all. And yet now you're very in it. All right, well, let's get to the cue. Let's do it. Okay, Darren, I'm going to start it off because I learned something this week. Tell me. You seem so stoked. I am stoked. Okay. Did you know Saturday, February 13th is International Condom Day? Okay, well, first off, I'm glad it's international because condoms should be for everyone everywhere all the time. And I didn't know that. That's so great. I know. And so the AIDS Health Foundation created it. Okay. And it's always the day before Valentine's Day, obviously February 13th, when everybody's getting hot and heavy. Smart. And I love it because I think, you know, you and I grew up and I'm a little bit older than you. So I think I got like the tail end of it, but we really grew up in like the AIDS crisis, like straight up. And we've talked a lot about it on our show. Rachel Mason remember that episode had amazing things to talk about the AIDS crisis. Circus of books. So many things that we've talked about with different people and how the AIDS crisis affected them. And when I was growing up, it was so condoms, condoms, such an emphasis on safe sex. And maybe it's because I'm older, but I don't see that a lot or I don't see the urgency, quite frankly, as I saw it growing up just Mm -hmm. on billboards and things like that. So I love that the AIDS Health Foundation created it. And then they celebrate it apparently every year with an event every single year. I believe it used to be in person, but now it's going to be digital and it's called Safer is Sexy. And this year it's virtual and you can go to their Twitter or their IG. It's at AIDS Healthcare and you can get free tickets and they have RuPaul's Drag Race, (gasps) Seven Caesar winner, Violet Chachki, and then also Netflix is a joke star, Flame Monroe hosting. And I bet it's going to be really cute and really fun. How could it not be? And you know what? Just like when we, when we're talking about this, I mean, listen, they have so many like national holidays every day, but this it's like national pancake day and stuff like that. But what I like about international condom day is like so much of birth control, at least growing up for me was on the woman. Oh, that you should put in this. Oh, the woman shouldn't do this. Oh, the woman that, woman that. And it's kind of like, well, what about the fucking dude? Like the dude can do this. Like women are sort of bearing the brunt of this risk, you know, with heterosexual sex, at least obviously not in homosexual sex, but like there has to be some culpability on the man and they are celebrating this. I feel like sometimes with guys, you know, at least from my experience and at least from my friends, like, oh, you know, like, I don't want, like, can't you just go on birth control or whatever? Condoms don't feel as good. Sex doesn't feel as good. You know what I mean? And there's so much risk involved in that. And there's so much just misinformation out there. 
that being able to celebrate something and encourage it through education is actually what this country and really the world really needs. I don't think there should be such a stigma on men using some sort of birth control, some contraception up in here. And uh, I've used condoms in the past. I am no gold star. And it was always very lovely for me. And so I highly encourage everyone to use them in the future. Okay. But Darren, you are negating that a lot of gay women and also straight people use condoms on sex toys. They do. And they should use condoms. Yes. Yep. So that they don't spread STDs. Correct. You're right. I was speaking um, a little bit more generally, but listen, I think that you should, especially with sex toys, because it's one of those things that you're not thinking about putting a condom on. You know, you're not thinking about sterilizing it because it's like this external factor. It's just as important. And you some should absolutely Some people don't have it. dishwashers. They had a pot and you can boil some water and you put that oh shit in God, there and it's so fine crazy. and you sterilize okay, it. Okay, wait. So I really like, I went on their website, the AIDS Health Foundation website, and I liked the safer sex tip and I wanted to share it for you. Uh-oh, okay. So- International Condom Day is a great reminder to use a condom and get tested, as you just said. And then they write, do you know the most common symptoms of an STD? I don't. Nothing. (laughs) You can have an STD and give it to your partner without experiencing any symptoms. That's why routine testing is vital to your good health. But just getting tested and barebacking it is not the answer either, folks. (laughs) So I just love all the information. And let me just say... As a woman who strictly has sex with women and has strictly had sex with women, I would say in the past 14 years of my life, I have had HPV before and I got that in a previous years and years and years ago relationship, but with it was the same sex partner. And so, you know, I don't want the gay people out there to assume that like we don't get STDs because fluids aren't being shared in the same way. That's why condoms really are important. And as you corrected me, it isn't just for the man. You can use it in multiple, multiple scenarios. I was just using it as an easy example of heterosexual couples and how men sometimes view contraceptives. But I like that the education and it's very celebrated. And so thank you. AIDS organization for actually spreading awareness of this thing. I think it's important. I agree. So one more time, the event is on the 13th. You can go get your free ticket. If you follow them on Instagram or Twitter, you can find all the information there. And their handle is AIDS Healthcare at AIDS Healthcare. And that's it. Awesome. Also on February 13th, Darren Karp will be on Good Morning America. So two great things to celebrate on February 13th this Saturday. Condoms and Darren Karp. What more do you need? Will you be doing your your usual like roundup of everything reality for them? I am going to be doing, yeah, like stuff to binge over the weekend, shows coming out, premieres. Uh, I haven't gotten my us, list. Can you give us a little something? I haven't gotten the full list. Sometimes they change it because it does depend on assets. So full um, disclosure, I don't get to talk about every single show that I want. If it's A, from like a competitor or they don't have the assets mm-hmm. to show the B-roll. But, uh, you know, maybe on my social media later this week, you'll see some snippets. But I will be on bright and early at, I go on at 8.30 a.m., but I believe it airs at 10.30 a.m. for Good Morning America. So Good Morning well, America fun. and condoms. <laughs> That's my February lesson. 13th is a busy day. Okay, well, That's on right. that note, speaking yes. of busy day, we have... Haters on the show. Yep. He's so sweet. Our guy. I'm so glad that you guys met. I know you guys are now best friends forever. We tested out a little segment with him on the Brandy episode. It looks like we'll be doing like a monthly at the end of the month roundup with him and that we're kind of spinning off of or whatever, spoofing off of, I should say. 
And I just love him. And I'm glad that you loved him. I loved him so much. And what I really like that he said, which is something that we sort of touched on before is this isn't bearing any sort of lead, but it's like, I'm not your gay best friend. You know, like yeah. either I'm your best friend or I'm not your best friend. It doesn't have to be like your gay best friend. And so when you said, oh, it's like our new best friend, I was like, yes, but not our gay best friend, even though he is gay. So I like that, Darren. Yeah. Not your gay best friend. Well, and can I actually tell you, because we're recording this right before it yes. was on the internet. I named it something else, the episode. Yeah. Should I go back and rename it Not Your Gay Best Friend? What did you name it? I named it Fix It Jesus because you said in the episode that we should name it Fix It Jesus. Let's do Fix It Jesus. And you can also right, know that, well, we'll keep it. I like, <laughs> I like your instinct. Fix It Jesus. That, that would be something that I would click on. But just know that okay, Aiden Darren. is not your gay best friend. Do not be DMing him. Well, I think if you don't know him, it's fine. But do not be DMing him saying you're, he's your gay best friend. He's not a possession. That's what I learned. No, but I love him and he's so cute and I want to put him in yeah, my little pocket. Yeah, you just want to put him in a little pocket. We love him. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy. Enjoy it, guys. Darren, I'm so excited because I've had this online relationship behind your back. Whoa. What? You're <laughs> cheating on me now? That's fucked yes. up. Liz, yes. Liz, that's fucked up. We were monogamous, monogamish. I know you're married, but like we had an arrangement and now you're fucking cheating on me. That's fine. I up. have been in the DMs and he is here right now. Um, <laughs> I have Hayden Cohen and let me get his let me get his elusive bio out the way. Yes, please. He is a social media personality and an influencer from Boston who highlights everything from reality television to TikTok's newest personalities to his personal life beyond his online channels. Also his parents, who I happen to love. Hayden currently works in the influencer marketing industry when he is not on IG stories and is the self-proclaimed, quote, real housewife of Instagram, which is a pretty big self-proclamation. Hayden, welcome to the show. Welcome, Hayden. That was quite the intro. Thank you for, I mean, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I will not hold the fact that you're from Boston against you during this recording, but just know it's embarrassing for you. And I, and I feel bad for you, So, but I'm going to approach this with empathy. Okay. Don't even, don't even go there. Born and raised. I, I am full and through tried and true Bostonian. So oh, no. you know, I'm going to fight you. Like we can do this. The only oh, thing we goodness. will agree on is Dunkin' Donuts is better than Starbucks. Right. I think we can. Thank you. Okay. Actually, I think Hayden is a, Duncan Donuts ambassador. Duncan, if you'd like to sponsor this uh, episode, please let us know. But wait, are you from Boston or are you from Cohasset? No, so I originally grew up in a small town outside of Boston called Medfield. Okay. Um, and then I now live in Boston. My parents live in the South Shore of Boston, though now they retired there. So I'm always back and forth there because I'm just like obsessed with my parents in an unhealthy way. <laughs> um, so I just go home as much as I can because I have no life in the city right now. I mean, your parents seem very like supportive and I don't just mean in a parental way, but more in like they cook for you, they clean for you. I mean, they, I would love to go to your parents' house as well. Like their stay at home daughter. Like that's what I am to them. They, they just love me and I'm the youngest of four. So I'm the baby. They baby me. And it's honestly like to my detriment. But, you know, I can't complain that, that I'm the favorite. <laughs> They're enabling your behavior and it's fine. If you do anything bad, it's your parents, you know, fault as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Hayden, 
Normally, we start these episodes, as I'm sure you know, asking how our guest identifies sexually. What would be your moniker if you have one? What, how would you answer that question? Um, I'm very gay. Mm. I've been gay since, you know, popping out of the womb. I ne- <laughs> was never, you know, hid from anybody. Um, it's interesting because, like, I always tell people when they're like, how did you come out? And I'm like, you know what? I didn't really come out. Like, everybody came out to me. So I kind of have like a different perspective and I'm so lucky that I'm, I'm from Massachusetts and like I grew up in such like a progressive town. So um, many lesbians, that, so many Subarus. Don't worry, I lived, I lived in Massachusetts for a little no, while. 100%. So I'm very lucky in that sense. So yes, I am gay, born and bred. <laughs> if, if someone described you as queer, is that insulting to you? Do you embrace that term as well? Do you have any That's thoughts not, on queer? I'm not insulted by the term queer at all. Um, personally, like I identify as gay. You know, if somebody was said asked if I was queer, I would say yes. But I choose to identify just as gay. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. I yeah. like that you said that everyone had to come out to you. We recently had, you know, just a small name on the show, Karamo Brown. Small <laughs> name. Just a small one. Small name, big dick. That's what I've learned. <laughs> oh my God. Darren. Yeah. I, I would imagine Karamo has a very big dick. He definitely um, has a big dick. He definitely not for sure. For sure. He has big dick energy. He big does energy. have big dick. Exactly. He has like if dick. I had a penis, I would have a huge dick. I know that. Oh my God, like, Darren, I know stop. that for a fact. It's fine. I don't doubt Keep it. Keep going. So he kind of talked about the same thing about he says it's about letting people in, which mm. I think is interesting. When you say that everyone came out to you, what do you kind of mean by that? I really struggled growing up, like accepting and like coming to terms with it. Like I I came out really like at an early age, I was 13 to when I came out Mm. to like everybody I know. And that was them kind of coming to me and telling that, telling me that like they were okay with it and that they knew about it. You know, I remember when I came out to my mom, I had been grounded because I had like a party at my house whilst her and my dad were out to dinner and my version of being grounded, hence me being the baby is going to get a new phone at the Apple store. And so she was taking me to go to get a new phone at the store. And we were in the car on the way home. And she was just like listening to the radio. And there was something about like, a you know, like a bullying thing going on the radio. And she was like, you don't ever get bullied at school, do you? And I was like, no, why would I get bullied? And she was like, you know, because, because you're gay. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. But like, no, I, I don't get bullied. And she was like, okay, cool. And it was just like that. Like there, we never really went into like deeper conversations about it. And it kind of just evolved from there. And eventually my whole family was just, you know, talking about it and being like, oh, Hayden, like you're going to bring home a cute boy soon. And it kind of just developed from there where everybody knew and it was never really a big thing. And I, I, I loved the, my coming out experience because of that, because it didn't really put the pressure on me because in reality, the pressure shouldn't be on me because um, we're all the same. It doesn't really matter who we love and that type of stuff. You know what I mean? I love that. I really like that experience, obviously. And it was great that you haven't been bullied, uh, certainly for anything of your sexuality. I mean, I'm sure there have been weird things that have happened, but that's great to know. <laughs> in that moment where your mom was like, oh, you're gay, you know, like just said it like almost matter of factly and it obviously didn't matter. Was there yeah. any part of you that was like, you said that you were relieved because you didn't have to come out to her, but there was, was there a part of you that'd be like, oh shit, I'm not hiding it. Like, you know, is it that obvious or was there any part of you that was like that? Or you were like, embrace it full. 
I fully embrace it. You know, there was no part of me that was like mad or offended or I was literally like waiting for someone to say it to me. And I'm so glad that it was my mom. She like opened the door for me to come out of the closet. So sometimes people need that. I know I've, I've talked to a lot of people online that, that had similar experiences and they don't know if they ever would have came out had it not been for that person doing it for them. So I don't know what would happen if I hadn't had that experience with my mom. I mean, eventually I think I would have come, come out on my own, but having her kind of like hold my hand as I did was the most like amazing thing that I could ask for. And what about your dad? Did you have an experience like that with your father? Yeah, my dad actually, it was funny. We, we never had a conversation about it from the point where I know my mom obviously told my dad after that conversation, but I never had a conversation with him after that one. And then fast forward three years, I was touring a college with my dad and he, we were walking around campus and he was like, there's some cute boys around here. And I was like, I know, right? And it, that it. was like the first time that we kind of like acknowledged it. And then it kind of just from there now, my dad and my mom are both like my biggest supporters. They're like, you need to get a boyfriend. I'm like, I'm trying. I've been trying forever. Trust me, it's not you as You have easy Garrett. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, have- we're like Garrett. Garrett's my, uh, Garrett's my Instagram husband. He's, right. yeah, I don't really define him as a boyfriend. He's more so like, you know, my side piece and I'm looking for my main piece. Okay, got it, got it, got it. He's your mistress. We see, I got you. Got it, got it, got it. I'm happy that, you know, you say you weren't bullied at school or being bullied for being gay or whatever. Did you find like there was a lot of other out kids at school too? I would say it was kind of a mixed bag. Like there weren't a lot of kids that were out at school. There were a lot of kids that like were, people thought they were gay. And like eventually like down the road, they ended up coming out. But like when I came out, I came out, at 13 and it was just, it was really early. Yeah. There weren't as many people out. So I wasn't bullied in the sense that like people were like talking down to me or making fun of me for being gay. Like I honestly think it had to do with just having two older brothers that were in school at the same time as me. So like the guys weren't like picking on me because of that reason, you know, the girls all wanted to be friends with me because they like wanted their stereotypical gay best friend that everybody sure. So in that sense, like I wasn't, I wasn't really worried about being bullied or being scared or intimidated by, you know, other people in my school. So you have two brothers and a sister? Yeah. Me too. And I'm the baby of four. That's why we love each other so much. (laughs) How did your siblings take it? Like, how did your brothers take, did they care? They didn't care at all, but they both were very the same way my dad was. We never had like a, you know, conversation of me like coming out to them or anything. It was kind of just, that's what it was. And and I had like a bigger coming out experience where like I told her and like she like came out to me and then I told her but my brothers were just always very accepting and never questioned it always just ran with it did you grow up with any like religion in your life did you grow up any type of way my dad dad is Jewish and my mom is Christian and same so we like didn't really do either like my dad's side of the family all had like bar mitzvahs and then my mom's side of the family all like you know, we celebrated Christmas and we kind of fell in the middle of like, okay, we'll dabble in one, we'll dabble in the other, but we don't like fully dive into either. So I didn't really have any like experiences with religion. Um, I'm a spiritual person, I like to say, but like, I'm not like very religious. Sometimes that can affect, you know, people's how they, they're brought up, you know, certainly the indoctrination, certainly gay people aren't the most accepted in every single religion, which is why I was wondering to you, you know, you came out or let alone, I guess people told you sort of, uh, you know, reaffirming (laughs) that you were gay when you were 13, but 
when you first realized sexual, for lack of a better term, I guess the sexual proclivity towards men versus women, were you nervous about having those feelings at all? Or did you feel okay with it from jump? Oh, I was definitely nervous about it. I, I think that anytime you have a feeling that's outside of the norm, you're, you question it. So my whole thing was like growing up, obviously, you know, I was very, I'm very effeminate. And like, I always gravitated towards, you know, playing with my sister's dolls versus like going out and playing sports with my brothers. And it's kind of like the environment around you makes you feel certain ways. So like, if I was like playing with my dolls, and one of my brothers would be like, why are you playing with that? Then that would make me like, kind of feel weird about that situation. But for me, um, it was definitely hard to come to terms with what my feelings were. And I definitely buried them down a lot, you know, in my early childhood. I remember like, I would go around like asking girls out in like middle school and being like, want to be my girlfriend? When we all had that like phase of like going out and girls would be like, Hayden, like, no. And I'd be like, you're like, but I, I will <laughs> braid your hair. Yeah, and right, right. I will, I will do your makeup. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have, there's a lot of benefits to dating a gay man, being my beard. Like, come on, I can help yeah. you. Um, but no, so I definitely like buried it down as far as I could. And then once I told the, the first person, which was my mom, it kind of just like opened the floodgates. And then it was like all rainbows and did you do like a flash mob at, at school to like yeah, right. toxic and just fucking <laughs> exactly. no, went just for it? I was like in my heels strutting through the school. Like that was me. <laughs> he had the same amount of fireworks as the inauguration when he came yeah. out. It was that like, was <laughs> fucking impressive, y'all. Listen, I, I got to tell you, Firework is one of my least favorite Katy Perry songs. That one and the and the... A- alien one was never really my jam. I, I could have saved the tax dollars on that, but that's fine. I do love Okay, Katie fine, Perry. Darren. Yeah. Way to be a party pooper. But I have to say, I was like, damn, that is the most lit fucking fireworks show I have ever seen. It was, um, pretty, it was pretty lit. What year did you graduate? Just so we can give the listeners kind of, because, you know, Hayden, to take a step back, Darren and I were talking before we had you on the show, and I was like, I'm jazzed because Hayden is like the motherfucking youth. Right. I'm here for it. <laughs> so just so we can ground the listeners and ourselves yeah. really from a, you know, pop culture experience, what year did you graduate, I guess, from high school? I graduated high school in 2012. So I'm so 26. Y- yesterday. Yeah, I'm 26. <laughs> I'm turning 27 actually on Sunday. It's coming Sunday. Wait, are you in Aquarius? I am. Oh, mind blown. I don't even know. One of my best gay guy friends is also on Sunday's birthday. So there you go. It's just you guys can date each other. There you go. John Thrasher. Happy birthday. Aquariuses have the main people that have broken my heart are always Aquariuses. You never know where you stand. I will never break your heart. I can promise you that. Oh, my God. I hope not. Um, Okay. So you graduated in 2012. So you're like on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial. Yeah, totally. I was thinking right before this, like I was talking about like the Olivia Rodrigo, Sabrina Carpenter drama. I don't know yes. if you guys know yeah. about that, but I was talking about it on my Instagram stories and I was like, I just identify so much more with Gen Z. Like they do not give a fuck. Like they are so rebellious and I love it. And I'm like stuck in millennial town and like, I want to be a Gen Z. Like I'm a wannabe Gen Z. So wait, that's really interesting. I'm fully millennial. I'm 32. Uh, I was born in 88. So I think I'm, I'm, I don't know what the bottom half of a millennial is, but I think it's probably it's late more 20s like four, maybe now. 
Yeah, I think it's late twenties, and then I think the top of it is like eighty-one, maybe or something. Yeah, or born in eighty-one. Or something. So we're well, both but, hardcore. But I am curious about that because you know, from uh, and we always kind of knock the generation beneath us. You know, like these kids on the TikTok <laughs> and the shit these days. I don't get it. You know, like my mom, yeah. even when she says like, "Oh, you're scissoring podcast," I'm like, "Please stop! Don't say scissoring, mom. It's too much." Um, <laughs> every generation, yeah, right. Every generation learns from, and you know, obviously, you know, you and I are six years apart. I'm not talking about like, I'm your grandmother here, but from my point of view, I actually think that the, the Xennials, the generation, while they're really open and cool and you can be anything that you want. I also feel like I feel the most policed in the LGBTQ community by the young people, as opposed to the old people. Do you find that at all? Or am I wrong about this? I don't really find that in in my personal experience. Like I definitely don't find that like they're as policing. I think that Gen Z is obviously like very open, very accepting. I find that more that late thirties to like early forties age range are where I feel, you know, I can't relate to the most in the, the gay community just because of like experiences I've had and, you know, people I've met that fall within that age bracket, they, they haven't been, you know, as like welcoming and they're more judgmental than, than I am. And then, and then the, my, the people I surround myself with are. So I think it totally depends on, you know, the people you're around and, you know, it's obviously like where you live and your friend groups, like all that type of stuff. Well, and it's interesting because we kind of touched on this. I think Darren, you did just perfectly about judging the the generation beneath you right so you're basically saying that upper millennials that are borderline gen xers yeah which i grew up by the way because of my siblings are like 10 and 14 years older than i am so i have like mid 40s late 40s siblings yeah they just like don't get it they're like you're nuts you know which is fine totally so maybe that's some of it but do you think that they feel like you haven't lived enough of a life, that kind of a, a judgment. It's like or I lived you- through the AIDS crisis and these gays yeah. are out here, yeah. you know, with prep. Like, do you, f- yeah, do you find yeah, that? There's like a generational divide, I feel like, in between like us and them and not to make it like a us versus them situation, but there's definitely just a divide. I feel like a lot of like, and this is just in like my experience with like the gay community, like a lot of like older gay men, I feel like can sometimes like resent the younger up and coming. Of course, it's the youth, the gay. I feel like gay men are obsessed with youth. A lot of them, not to generalize, but a lot of gay men are obsessed with youth and youth culture. Totally. And And I think that for that reason, like they resent a lot of people that are younger and are more open and didn't necessarily have like as many struggles as them. And I'm so thankful that I did not But I think that they paved the way for us. And like, we're so thankful for that, for them doing that. But for some reason, it's just in my experiences, they've shunned us for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious because I know that you're a big Housewives guy. Uh, I host a, a show called Reality Check. So I know that you and I could talk for fucking years about reality. And I definitely oh. want to talk to you about a lot of stuff. Uh, I told Liz, I was like, just silence your mic because Hayden and I can go well, off I on some housewives shit. I have to say. I have a, th- a co- I will let she's you guys live your best she's, life. I will contribute here and there. Thank you but very much. But do you much. think, 
let's take Housewives, for example. Uh, I, I mean, we can take it as a franchise, not even just a specific one. And, you know, there are younger Housewives on. We got Whitney, who's 30 uh, on yeah. Salt Lake City. Ashley's like 33, I think she's on Potomac. So we have younger- Don't leave out Leah. Oh, Leah's very, but Leah's yeah, like 38. Like, you know what I mean? She's like Leah's almost- 38, but she's living she that kid. TikTok life. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a little bit different, but I'm just saying. Like, and then we have Ramona Singer, who's like 65. So yeah. we're running the gamut here. And when you watch these women, and you know, we're all watching for entertainment value. You know, I know all these people personally, but one of the things that I've brought up with Andy before is that, especially with some of the older ones, I'm thinking Sonia Morgan, maybe more specifically, who are obviously not homophobic, very much so in the gay yeah. community, very much so icons. But also do this thing where they're like, I'm going to take my gays and go to this party and accessorize them. And I've Mm -hmm. asked a lot of gay men this. Do you find that to be an offensive thing? Do you notice it at all? Do you care? Or am I being too sensitive about this? No, I I definitely think it's offensive. It's honestly, it falls in line and in the same basket as the term, like my gay best friend, using that as like, a term personally, like it offends me. Like all my friends know, like never to reference me as like their gay best friend. I'm like, why does it matter that I'm, that I'm gay? Like, Can I just be your best friend? friend. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm gay. Like, you know what I mean? So for me, I, I definitely hate that. And like Sonia Morgan is my queen, but there are a couple moments where I sit there and I'm like, Oh, Sonia, like, no, like, please don't. And it's so interesting how you talked about like the generational divide between the housewives, like And I feel like every show kind of has, you know, those people and they're either the older, you know, housewife helps the younger housewife or is like threatened by them. I think of like Potomac with like Karen and, you know, Monique and Candace and Ashley. She really like fosters and like helps their relationship and like helps them grow into like the women that she wants them to become. And then there's like Ramona where she was just so threatened by Leah and like how she is so open and so out there and I appreciated that, like being injected into New York because I feel like it was necessary. So it's really interesting to see how different cities handled it. But also like weirdly used it against Leah. I don't know. I mean. It's interesting because you guys are talking about definitely generational differences within the housewives and something obviously that would come up on a show where we have Darren as the co-host and our insider trading (laughs) desk of all things Bravo TV is Bromwin, right? Like we can't have the show and not talk about Bromwin. Mm-hmm. And I think Darren and I both are in agreement that it's amazing to see not only a cast member on a Bravo show come out as queer or as gay, but mm-hmm. it, for it to be a woman and even more specifically a not woman a in Orange County. Exactly. Out queer women rather, out queer women. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. So and yeah. in Orange County, which everyone sure. ha- who who doesn't really watch the show needs to understand Orange County is incredibly conservative. Yeah. What was your reaction as a the housewife of Instagram um seeing Bronwyn come out not only as queer, but as a lesbian uh, midway through her second season. Honestly, I I loved watching her develop into like the person she is now. I think that she probably saw herself on the first season and like realized that she just like wasn't being her authentic self. And I can't even imagine being in the closet while you're being filmed. Like if I was being filmed while I was in the closet, I would probably have the same reaction where like, I feel like the next time I'm in front of the cameras, I need to be myself and I need to be true to who I am. 
Um, I also loved watching her relationship with her son and her, Jacob. like, yeah. yeah, Jacob, her helping him like get into drag and really accept himself. And I thought it was just so beautiful. I think it's also really, you know, brave of her to do that, especially in Orange County, where majority of the the women that she shares on the cat that she's on the cast with are probably leaning more conservative just because of where they are and who they are and i think it's really you know about time that there there is you know an out gay lesbian housewife that like can help the community and help like grow her footprint there are so many people out there that relate to her and that you know have been through similar struggles to her that it's like time that she's highlighted on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of her future on the show and where, and where she goes from here. I mean, how many women out there listening are like, God damn it. I would love to just have my husband sleep on the third floor and me sleep on the first floor and me go right? fuck a bunch of other <laughs> But You know, I was going to say with that, you know, I, and I talk about this a lot with younger people, but I also talk about a lot with older people. I happen to work for someone who is a older gay man, you know, 20 years older than me, but also like this beacon of gaydom. And I talk about it. I talk about this with him a lot. And the reaction that I get from older people with me when this happens, because I'm sort of this resident lesbian at Bravo, you know, I've been out forever. And I was like that, like, is this cool? Like, is this cool for lesbian? You know, it was like, it was me and Tabitha coffee for like 10 years. And like, we couldn't have (laughs) that. So, you know, love Tabitha. She's a queen. Like I'm not even in the same realm as her. It's just, you know, she (laughs) wasn't a housewife housewife. So one of the things that I see from the older community is especially Bronwyn with Sean is how can they stay married? You know, like, well, what does this mean for Sean? Is he, is he gay? Is he being steamrolled by her? What's going on? But from the younger generation, they almost have your reaction to it, which is kind of like, Sean who? I don't give a shit. I'm just happy that she came out, you know, live and let live. They got seven kids. Mazel, God bless. Like, that's how they view it. Do you have an opinion at all on the Sean thing? Do you care? Was that something that crossed your mind? It's actually like not something that crossed my mind, weirdly enough, but I think good for them for kind of paving their own way and not listening to people. I'm sure on him, this probably is so hard, but it's probably even harder on her. She had, she's, you know, coming out as a new person and is changing her entire life and is doing it all, you know, in front of the cameras. I can't even imagine doing that. But honestly, like, I think kudos to them for, you know, sticking with their family and raising their kids together and continuing to, as they are, it, it love isn't, you know, one thing. Yeah. They still love each other and they're doing it how they want to do it. They're not, they're not following the the stereotypical family and who says they need to, you know, I, well, I think it's, And intimacy comes in different forms. Intimacy isn't just sex, you know, and you can have a connection that's intimate. Very intimate in the DM. Well, you guys fuck each other though. That's different. You guys actually have sex. I I don't know. I feel like it's more of this like constant. I saw Hayden's unboxing video, Liz, and let's just say. You are a star player. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it up to the viewers to decide. That's a good segue though. Hayden, you, I think I wrote this to you a couple of times. I'm like this motherfucker. Has gone from <laughs> zero to one hundred on the internet. I actually literally, think literally around Christmas and Hayden, keep me honest. I think I I DM'd you and I was like, "Can I just pay you to do this for me?" Yeah, I was like, "Can you that. please just do my Instagram?" I can't. You did give me and Darren. This is her favorite part of my Instagram. You did inspire me to take my cooking to reels. So yeah. thank you for that. Do it. Do it up. 
No, I'm doing it. You don't see you're famous. No, I, he no, he gets to 100,000 followers it, and it's I'm over. I'm top liver. That's, that's the biggest thing. It's just staying consistent, finding your niche, seeing what works, and then going from there and keeping at it. So you work in influencer marketing during the day. Yep. Did you always want to be kind of a Bravo, join the Bravo Historian Club, aka also become the housewife of Instagram? For, did, is like that was your intention with work or did yeah. it just kind of happen? Well, I randomly fell into the position that I'm in now and at like my full-time job. But in starting my Instagram, I was unemployed after college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And again, my mom leading the way, of course, as she does, she's a queen, was like, Hayden, like start a blog, start an Instagram. Like you love reality TV, like make this your own reality TV show, like get people to follow you and watch you. And this that's your version of reality TV. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to channel my energy into this. And, you know, four years later I'm doing it. And it's kind of, my Instagram is basically like my own reality television show where I talk about other reality TV shows. I talk about pop culture in general. I really just lean into, you know, being who I am and kind of using myself as like the talent for the show. And the show is on my Instagram stories. And I just kind of put all my energy into that, which I love. And it ended up leading to, you know, my boss at the current company I'm working at discovering me on Instagram and asking if I was interested in, you know, interviewing for that company. And now I work, I've worked there for like three years now and I love what I do. You know, I manage, you know, talent in, in influencers and I also get to, you know, make fun of them on my, on my reels as well. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. The part. You know, yeah. I've, I worked in like the original kind of mm, the YouTube space, which that's a oh, whole yeah. nother fucking television show. <laughs> so some of the talent you do end up talking about, or do you kind of keep it pretty separate? I definitely keep it separate. The, the talent I'm inspired by the talent with what I create. Got it. Got it's it. not directly related to them, but it's inspired by them. And, and all of them, you know, influencers, me included, like we're so self-centered that, and we're very narcissistic in that, like we post everything. I ha- I'm always talking to my camera because like, I love the way I look and I love seeing myself and I love, you know, people reacting to me in that way. And so people love to be mocked and influencers love to see like me mocking them. So they'll share me to their stories. And that really is like where I attribute a lot of like my growth in the past couple of months on Instagram specifically too, is because I've been doing these reels where I'm mocking influencers and they think it's so funny, but then they're sharing it to their audiences and then their audience is discovering me. So it's been kind of, you know, a ripple effect from, from doing that, that I've seen the so much growth and success. I'm I'm curious for you, like in terms of like being an influencer and, and your, and your mark on the world. I mean, you, you mentioned sort of that, you know, you hate being called the gay best friend, right? Like, because you're just a fucking, like, just call me like your best friend. Like you don't need that moniker of gay with there. And I totally understand. But sometimes Mm -hmm. in the roles, especially on TV, as you know, and especially in reality TV, stereotypes play a big part and people have roles to play. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you know, like it's okay if you have an all girls trip, but you bring your gay makeup artist because, you know, it's fine. Like he doesn't really count. You know, he's just, he's just my gay best friend, whatever like that. Mm -hmm. There is something beneficial to that, to an extent of playing into a stereotype and and being maybe the, the gay voice of the group. Do you, Mm -hmm. how do you square that? You know, if someone's asking you, Hey, like Hayden, you know, will you come be this gay voice on this panel about housewives? you're playing a part there as opposed to just you playing Hayden. 
Do you care about that? Do you see it as two different things? I think I see them as two different things. One is like how I position myself and the other is how people position me. So if people follow me because they think I am their gay best friend, like, cool, like they can think that. But it's when someone tries to like put ownership over a title for me that, and I'm like directly related to it. It's kind of where I find it not hitting like my sweet spot. In, in the sense that like, if I was to be on a panel, like I would never be on a panel if someone was like, you know, we want the gay best friend perspective. I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that just because me doing that wouldn't be authentic to myself. Right. But, you know, if people want to, you know, there's people on Instagram who want to DM me and are like, oh my God, like, I wish I had a gay best friend like you. Like, I love following you because you're my gay best friend in like my mind. Like, you're allowed to think that way, but I personally just don't identify with that. And I don't like it's not something that I'm comfortable, you know, owning. So yeah, it it really depends. And it's definitely hard to like balance, you know, and figure out ways that I can like put it into different pockets, but it's complicated. Being gay is complicated. (laughs) That it is. (laughs) For sure. It certainly, certainly is. Being Mm -hmm. alive is complicated though. You know what I mean? Like it's not like straight people are walking out with any problems either. I mean, (laughs) we just have a different set of problems, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Boston is one of those places that I think is really interesting because at the top of our conversation, you're like, I'm so glad I'm from Massachusetts. I made the lesbian Subaru joke, you know, from when I lived in Northampton, which is soy lesbian. Yes. But my time that I felt like, and I don't know if you feel the same way in Massachusetts and Boston is that it actually felt really conservative. Like you couldn't buy liquor on Sundays, like things closed early. I felt like a huge Irish Catholic presence for me as a California kid. And you got to understand I'm born and raised in San Francisco. So when I got plopped in the middle of Massachusetts at 15 years old for boarding school, I was like, the fuck is that? You know what I mean? I'm like, what is happening here? So maybe that's the perspective. But do you think that there's like a thriving gay young vibe in Boston? Cause I just never really saw that. I, I guess I wouldn't think of it that way, but do you feel that there is a community there? Obviously we know we're in a pandemic, but otherwise. Yeah. No, there, I think there definitely is, you know, where I grew up was definitely a lot more conservative than the city as like most places outside of the city are. But even then there was, you know, a scene for me and a place for me at the table. Um, you know, I was, no, I never felt you know, shunned because of my sexuality in living in the city now. Like there's so many like spots that are like gay spots that I go to, you know, that we have a gayborhood, the South End. Oh, I, lo- I don't live there. I want to live there. But I know what you mean by that, like Irish Catholic setup, because where I live right now, which is in South Boston, predominantly is that. And yeah. even the people that live here, though, they're so they're so much more used to these young people coming in. And with that, you know, youth comes a lot of diversity. And so I see the the tides kind of changing and like gear shifting a little bit. So I don't have that same experience, but I understand like why you would in that setting that you did. No, I'm just, and granted, I'm seven, eight years older than you are. So when I was kicking around, you know what I mean? It was just a different vibe and it was interesting as a San Francisco kid who grew up with so much gay shit. I mean, I had gay fam. One of my brothers is gay, my cousin, you know what I mean? So I kind of went from that to Boston where it's like, you can't buy liquor on Sundays. 
fucking mm-hmm. the bus closes you know the train closes at 11 like there's yeah. a church on every fucking block i'm like what is this place? <laughs> like this is crazy all you those know? things are true all those things are still true 100 percent. but i think you're right like with new generations especially now which is great comes more diversity i think comes more open way more openly queer people i feel like gen z is definitely more for the most part more open which is great, which is why hopefully these conversations that we have, you know, generally about coming out will reflect more like yours that are just kind of like, no, like it was cool and it was accepted and it was it just like better, anything else. Hopefully, it gets you know, better. Like yeah. everything gets easier and easier. My, my question for you is, you know, you mentioned before we were talking about Sonia Morgan, for example, and you were like, Sonia Morgan's my queen. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and queen is very much so used in drag culture. It's used in gay culture for sure. Like it, you know, specifically about a woman that they worship, you know, like Andy's queen is Madonna and like, I'm aware and like Dolly Parton, like I'm aware of that. Why do you think there's not that same reversed? Like, why do you think there's not like Kings for women? Like, I don't hear women being like, Oh my God, he's my King. Like, I don't hear that. <laughs> Um, at all in, in a way, do you, you have you ever thought is, about hold that? Hold on. I'm, I'm interjecting, even though I know that was for Hayden. I've don't never heard that w- term being used. I mean, and granted, or I'm like not King. the most like involved human being. I'm not, I'm not saying that like, I'm the authority on being a lesbian and female community. I'm just saying like, I've never interviewed anyone, any female that has said that about a guy ever in reality TV or off. I guess you say with King. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It's weird. Like, I've never thought about it or wondered why that is. I think a lot of gay culture, specifically like male gay culture, is, you know, idolizing women. And so we, you know, have these people that we kind of put on this pedestal and we really do look to them as a queen, which is why we call them like our queen. So for me, for Andy, it might be Madonna. For me, it's like, you know, Ariana Grande or Mariah Carey. It's people that you kind of grew up having sort of like a comfort towards and like kind of growing up with them and seeing them evolve into who they are. And they're these powerful women and it makes you like want to be more powerful. So I think it kind of, I think it has to relate to that. Whereas women, I think look to a lot of times other women to, you know, help them lead the way and help them like become more powerful and feel like they, you know, can be more powerful. Whereas men, a lot of times are putting women down and putting, you know, gay men down so we don't look to them and say that they're our king. We we look to women who are like a voice of comfort and can really shine some light towards us. You know what I mean? Women well are just said. better than men. You know what I mean, Hayden? Yeah, I know you're losing. No, but I think, well, I think that's a, w- a really good, yeah. succinct way to put it. And I was curious to hear what you thought about it. I don't like to put words in anyone's mouth, but I mean, I think you're right. Like women, lesbians especially, there's this faction of lesbians that hate men, you know, and that's their Mm. feminism and they just fucking hate men. Then there's, you know, and that's, and that's a fringe. And then there's the other faction of, uh, of women who I think are scared of men and scared of what they've done in in patriarchy and society. Whereas women have always really been for the most part, uh, supportive of the gay community. You know, Andy told me in the, in the AIDS crisis, lesbians especially were right on the front lines with gay 100%. men, even though they weren't as affected. And, and so it yeah. is curious that it's sort of one-sided, like pushed on these women, uh, you know, drag races on tonight, which I, which yeah. I'm watching, you know, and this, this comes to mind. Cause I was like, this isn't how these men see these women, right? This is like an homage to us yeah. in a costumey way. 
right? Yeah, okay. totally. Completely. I agree with that. And I think like a lot of it has to do with just the way that we, you know, the way that women comfort us. Like I said, like I just, I remember like my earliest memories are like watching cartoons, like watching like The Little Mermaid and like wa- being like so inspired by those women. And like, that's kind of where I see like my comfort kind of leaning towards is just having that like a maternal figure in some way. Yeah. Cause they've just always supported us and it's been like a reciprocal reciprocated relationship. No. And I like the way that you phrase, you framed that up, which I think is correct that both gay men and women, regardless of their lesbian or not, like safety in women. Yeah. Find safety in women because you know, there's a lot of misogyny out there. Let me tell you. I I hate men too. Like I hate men. (laughs) But I'm attracted to them. It's you want to the fuck them. You just don't want to talk to them. Exactly. I, I despise men, like truly despise them, despise my brothers and my dad, but I can't, but I can't help who I want to have sex with. And oh, honey. it's really a curse. I would love to rather, I would way rather be attracted to women because I get along with them better. But men, you know, we don't, we don't see eye to eye all the time. It's you. funny because when I came out to my dad, you know, my dad was a little bit like, thank God. He's like, he's like, one, we get to talk about women, but two, you, you don't have to bring home men to me to meet. Like, uh, I'm happy with this, you know? And I was like, okay, like you're going to be safe in this kind of community, oh, God, you I know? Love that. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Heather Thompson, host of In My Heart podcast. In My Heart started with the concept of conversations with friends, experts, learning more, encouraging independent thinking, and digging deeper into topics to inspire new perspectives. My vision and mantra for life is finding my freedoms and following what drives my light, energy, and happiness and allows me to shine. I really want that for you too. Please join me each week as I speak to old friends and new about all of the things in my heart, our experiences, and how we find our freedoms together. New episodes come out weekly, every Tuesday, wherever you stream your podcast. See you then. Hayden, you know, we end every uh, scissoring episode with some fun, queer, rapid fire bullshit nonsense just to have a good time and end on something positive. Um, It's called Scissor Me This. Liz, you go first. Ladies, go first here. Uh, What's your first question for Hayden? Mm. Mm. Buck, Mary, kill. (laughs) Dale, Bennett, or Yosef? If you don't kill Yosef, you're dead to me, Hayden. I'm saying that right now. That's really hard because it just came out yesterday that Dale could have cheated on Claire for the whole time. Shocking. It's not not he could have. He definitely was, Hayden. He 100% was. He was. Yeah. No. He was. Okay, so Yosef is definitely being killed. Thank you. Has to be. I guess I'm going to marry Bennett because he did go to Harvard And like, so I'm associating that with hopefully some wealth, like sugar daddy vibes. He wore a scarf, like a silk scarf though, Hayden. Bennett's Instagram is Christian, like Bale. I mean, he is American psycho, but anyway. I'm kind of into that. Oh, fair. (laughs) Listen, to each their own, sweetie, to each their own. Okay. Weird, like pushed down, like daddy issues. Who knows what it is, but like, I'm into it. I love okay, it. Okay. And then I'm going to marry Dale, I guess, even though he's a cheater. Oof. Okay. Here's well, you could cheat my... on him with Bennett. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Here's my version of it. Mm-hmm. Matt James, Tyler C., who I know was on your fucking Instagram, or Colton. Oh, yeah. What are we doing with those three boys? Oh. Think about Why? it. 
I have to marry Tyler Cameron because I have a pillow of him in my bedroom. Okay, this Ooh. is turning very upsetting for me, Hayden. Very upsetting. Every night. So like we already are married in my mind. Sure. Then I'm going to, I'm going to kill Colton Underwood just because I just don't think he like would know how to bang. Uh, and then I'm bang Matt James. Fair enough. You know what I mean? I get <laughs> so it. I get it. I was always shocked that there wasn't a real housewives of San Francisco when I lived there. Cause there's mm-hmm. so much wealth and so much ridiculousness. I think there very well could be a real housewives of Boston. Mm. Who would you cast? Ooh, well, Bethany is here often. So she would be a great, you know, addition to the cast. But I, I honestly, I don't think that there could be a real housewives of Boston because I don't think that, the women here that are like really, truly Bostonians, like give a fuck. Like they just (laughs) don't care enough. I know. I think it was the same for San Francisco. If there was a Real Housewives of Boston, like I would be on the front lines, like trying to find them. Like I would be at every every filming in the background. Like I would love it. I just couldn't see that. There's really not like a society in Boston where like there's this like upper echelon of living. There is, but like, it's but not- Giselle just lived there. Hilaria is from oh, Bunk- whatever Beacon Hill. I feel how like you say how you say it? cucumber. How you say it in English? Cucumber? Cucumber? Yeah. cucumber. Yeah, you're oh, from Boston, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I love it. I can't it. even. No, but I but I just couldn't see it happening. I would love it to happen, but I don't think it ever will. Okay. Just good to that. know. You All know right. what I mean? Okay, best housewife to watch and worst housewife to watch. They might be the same person. <laughs> And it's Ramona Singer because (laughs) she, everything she says like makes me cringe a little bit, but that's exactly why I cherish her and hold her in the highest regard. And like, we need to protect her at all costs. But like some of the stuff she does, it's like, do you think that she's a friend to the gay community? Ramona Singer? That's a really hard question. I don't know if she's a friend to the, to the gay community. Maybe she's a, she's not a, she's a, oh, this is hard. (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard question i talk about this a lot because there is a lot of like kind of hidden homophobia in the people that gays worship sometimes like these women aren't as accepting as i want them to be i think of vicky the the, yes i think of vicky her her reunion where she was just blatantly homophobic to everything that bronwyn was doing saying anything and everything so I think of her and I'm, and at one point I was like, I love Vicky, but that really, you know, turned me off. There's nothing that Ramona's done on the show where like, it's been blatant. And I think that that's probably my own like internalized stuff where I'm like, oh, I'll let it pass for, for Ramona. because she hasn't said or done anything that's like affected me. But like, definitely I looking and thinking about it just now, I've never thought about it. I don't think Ramona is a friend of the, the gay community. And so that it's like, why do I, why do I cherish her in the highest regard when she doesn't do the same to me and the people that, you know, are from my community, you know, it makes you think, it makes you think about it's you, it's you eating a Chick-fil-A right now, Hayden. It's, it's that, right, you know, right. it's you eating a Chick-fil-A. Okay. I have one on the fly. If you were to go on a girl's trip, pick three people that you would take with you. It doesn't have to be housewives. That's hard. Well, I definitely would pick my mom because <laughs> she's, when she's drunk, there's nothing funner than when my mom is drunk. Like truly, it's like a ho- national holiday. Um, so my mom, I would probably pick 
Portia Williams from Real mm-hmm. Housewives of Atlanta, just because she's the turn up queen. Like she's my fave. She's my mom and I's fave as well. So I would definitely pick Portia. And then I'd probably pick Sonia just because she knows how to have a good time. So the three, my mom and I love Portia and Sonia, like those are our, our girls. So I would definitely pick the three of us and we'd get just blackout wasted the whole time we were together, which is Perfect. my idea of a vacation. <laughs> Okay, this is a piggybacking off this one. You're stuck on an island. You can only Mm -hmm. bring, you have to bring one of these three women. Which one are you choosing? Mm -hmm. Kelly Dodd Leventhal, because she changed her last name. Danielle Staub. Oh, no. Kenya Moore. Oh, you know, honestly, this might be controversial, but I think I'm going to pick Danielle. And (laughs) I know that that's a wild choice. I just think that she would entertain me the most with like what she does, what she says, like we would, you know, find palm trees and do like a stripper class on them. Fair. I feel like she would really be like, just like a good person to lean on. Fair. Whereas like Kelly, I would probably get into a fight with her. <laughs> I mean, I could see myself, you know, she would bring like the blowhorn out and then I, the scepter and I would probably throw that into the ocean <laughs> and then throw her into the ocean. So yeah, I think, I think Danielle would be my choice. <laughs> that was tough. All right. Well, I know they're hard. We, we have one more piece and then we'll finish the game. Go ahead. Yeah. Liz. What's your final one? Okay. If you had to choose TikTok or IG reels for the rest oh. of your life. Only. That's really hard because I personally watch TikTok more, but I create more on Instagram reels. So it's really depending on like, do I want to make myself happy or do I want to make others happy? Uh, um, the eternal the question answer, of life. Yes. The answer is probably going to make myself happy. So I think I'd choose TikTok. I would probably choose TikTok. I'm just, I'm obsessed with scrolling on there for hours on end. It's a real problem, actually. I'm up until the wee hours of the night doing it. And I just can't imagine my life any differently. So I'd have to pick TikTok. Last question for me. And I just feel like, again, you and I need to offline and have some uh, Dunkin' Donuts and or uh, alcohol to talk about it. You know, it's like a bad smell that you can't stop smelling. What's the most obnoxious show on television in reality that you hate but you absolutely can't stop watching. This is really hard to admit. <laughs> but Chrisley Knows Best. Have you ever seen Chrisley Knows Best? You watch Chrisley Knows Best. What is your opinion of Todd Chrisley? I gotta know. I'm fascinated by how they have a show. Like the process of them having, like, having a show just boggles my mind. Like I think the whole time that I'm watching the show, I'm just like, how are they here? Like, how did they stumble into this network? And how are they so, like, so many people watch it. And I don't so get So many it. people watch I'm it. Wa- I, I more so watch it as, like, an experiment to, like, figure out why other people are watching it. But then I find myself, like, becoming invested in, like, the stupid-ass storylines that are obviously so contrived. And I'm like, why am I here right now? I need to, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to cleanse myself. I need to see Jesus. So that is the show that unfortunately I I can say is a guilty pleasure. Sadly. Maybe, maybe this show has to be called, I need to see Jesus with Hayden Cohen. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) We all need to see a little, that's the title is that's the title. Keeping up with Jesus. Though Hayden, good job on playing scissor me this. It was very intellectual here, as you can tell. Yes. You did a great job. Hayden, where can everybody find you when they want to follow you? you Find me on Instagram and Twitter at haters, H-A-Y-D-E-R-Z, not haters, like by haters, haters, my name. And find me on TikTok at Y-U Hayden. 
And then you can find me on the streets of Boston being a crazy bitch. Love it. And you can find all of Darren and I being a crazy bitch in our own individual ways. Darren is Carpe Darren. Yes. And I am Listen to Liz. And together we are collective crazy bitches on SIAT podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. This was so much fun. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>